Welcome to 80 Proof Politics, Behind the Curtain, a special series looking at Sam Bankman-Fried, his company FTX, and their meteoric rise through the hallways of Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Bill Shute. During our first episode, we took a look at the history of FTX and SBF and touched on their activities in D.C., but why did they even have an interest in what happens here in our nation's capital? Simply put, the absence of regulation in the crypto world created an opportunity to play in the political one. So, after spending, by some accounts, a nine-figure sum just to get noticed, what did SBF and FTX hope to accomplish by becoming high rollers in such a short period of time? Well, it'd be too simple to just say, why not? After all, they wouldn't be the first to do it, and they certainly won't be the last. But what's remarkable is how quickly they ascended the ranks of special interests, trying to get heard above the cacophony of loud voices in a town full of full-throated shouters. Like every one of those other interests, FTX had an agenda. So what exactly were FTX's policy goals? On the one hand, SBF and FTX were pushing legislation that would have allowed exchanges to effectively self-regulate, making their own determination about whether the cryptocurrencies or their exchange platforms complied with federal rules. They also worked to steer regulatory oversight of crypto to an agency with a far smaller enforcement staff than the Securities and Exchange Commission. Let's take a look at the regulatory approach first. Imagine, if you will, that you are a crypto billionaire in favor of less stringent regulation or avoiding regulation at all if you could. Who wouldn't want that? After all, crypto emerged from an academic white paper proposing a world without banks, without stodgy Wall Street, without rules. If I were that person, I'd first try to figure out if I could sustain the Wild West. And by this point in our story, the crazy world of crypto had been around for a while. Not a while, like the Constitution, but certainly longer than a TikTok video. It was fascinating. It was the darling of a world crushed by the housing financial crisis of 2008. It promised a populist pathway to a secure retirement and possibly more. Perhaps this mentality would prove to be FTX's undoing. So, if you want to prevent Washington bureaucrats from killing the baby in the bathwater, what do you do? Do you ignore them at your own peril? Do you throw up the white flag of inevitability? Or do you jump straight into the swamp? SBF chose the latter. So, once you decide to cut that deal with the devil, the next question is, how? Maybe a few more white papers. Maybe rally the crypto bros to build an underbelly economy that ultimately would grow to be too big to fail, in the infamous words of Ben Bernanke. Maybe, just maybe, you play the devil's game. And now that you've set your course, what would be your goals, your expected outcomes, your tactics? Again, here's Dakin Campbell from The Insider. You need, you need the laws to be written before the regulation can really take shape. And so that was what SBF uh, was working towards. You know, I think the strategy was let's get some regulation and 
by playing a strong hand in the creation of the legislation and the regulation, we will be able to advance the interests of my company. I mean, I think that's really what he was trying to accomplish. Well, you might want to steer the debate into a briar patch. Regulation? We don't need no stinking regulation. But wait, that patch is full of everlasting thorns that ultimately could bleed you to death. What about a patch that is just that? A patch? A salve? A, dare I say, compromise? Well, your clear choice would be the Commodities Futures Trading Commission. It was created in 1974 to regulate derivative markets. That means sophisticated forms of investment such as futures, swaps, options. I mean, basically, its sole purpose for being is to prevent fraud, kind of like the SEC. And imagine how important the CFTC has become since the financial crisis of 2007-2008. After all, didn't the big short teach us anything, if not how hedging market sectors could tip the entire house of cards? Follow that with the 2010 Dodd-Frank bill officially the Wall Street Reform and Consumer Protection Act, and we're left with the CFTC that has been empowered with ensuring more transparency and upfront regulation. But SBF apparently saw a chink in the CFTC armor. Eighty Proof Politics is brought to you by Evergreen Productions. You can find this and several other fascinating podcasts at evergreenpodcast.com. Okay, so compare CFTC to the big daddy, the SEC. I mean, while the CFTC was a response to the little old 2008 recession, the SEC plants its family tree firmly in the Great Depression. I mean, Black Friday, brokers leaping out of windows, a run on the bank, brother can you spare a dime, FDR, New Deal, Depression with a capital D. So, how about a regulatory cage match? In one corner is the CFTC, which works primarily with professional traders weighing in with a staff of 700. And the other corner is the SEC, the defending champ, the protector of all us little guys, weighing in with a staff of 4,500. I mean, it's like a featherweight stepping into the ring with Frazier or Ali. Oh, okay, maybe that's not a fair analogy, but keep in mind that the CFTC's enforcement staff is barely able to keep up with its charter. Only 170 attorneys spread across the entire agency. Over history, the SEC has really taken a stronger hand when it comes to enforcement. They've got more people, they've got more investors uh, that they have to watch out for, and I would say the investors are generally less sophisticated, where the CFTC is a smaller agency with a smaller enforcement staff and a smaller budget, and the folks that are that are trading the financial instruments that they oversee um, are, are professionals in, in most cases. Add to that the fact that the SEC announced in May that it was creating a new unit dedicated solely to protecting investors in crypto markets. This newly created crypto assets and cyber unit in the Division of Enforcement now has 50 lawyers and analysts devoted exclusively to crypto. Add to that, the chair of the SEC, Gary Gensler, 
is a self-proclaimed crypto-skeptic who has not shied away from going after everyone from Ripple to Kim Kardashian. Ripple, by the way, is a blockchain enterprise solution that allows financial institutions to modernize their transfers and other transactions. And Kim Kardashian is, well, you either know or you could care less. According to the Wall Street Journal and regulatory disclosures, the SEC has investigations underway looking at other crypto players, including the better-known Coinbase, Binance, and yes, our new friend, FTX. But this is not just now happening. The SEC has fined or sued dozens of token developers over the past six years. So what's their beef? You know, the SEC has said many cryptocurrencies qualify as securities that should be sold under rules for stocks and bonds. It's pretty much that simple. Gensler has said exchanges are breaking the law by selling those unregistered securities and not following rules that, like NASDAQ and New York Stock Exchange, observe. In fact, during an interview with Yahoo Finance, he, he went so far as to claim that crypto exchanges really act like casinos. In response, crypto exchanges say the SEC is wrong about which U.S. laws apply to them. Their lawyers have said time and again that the operations of crypto exchanges are so different from securities exchanges that complying with the SEC's rules just won't work. And yet, FTX didn't entirely give up on the Briar Patch option. While FTX was in fact a crypto exchange dealing primarily with hedge funds and other professional traders, SBF had bigger plans. Did you know virtually all vessels traveling in the U.S. have to be American-built, owned, and crewed? That's thanks to the Jones Act, which is the bedrock of the American maritime industry. On the American Maritime Podcast, we cover the topics that matter most to the 650,000 men and women of American maritime, while also being accessible for the average listener to learn about this industry. Every episode features a new guest, including congressional leaders, senior military officials, leading policy analysts, and other experts. Come aboard and listen wherever you get your podcasts or watch on the American Maritime Partnership's YouTube channel. Earlier this year, in fact, FTX launched a product for buying U.S. stocks. As an executive told the Financial Times this year, the goal was to become the everything exchange and the everything app when it comes to financial services and fintech in general. Obviously, in order to do that, FTX needed the blessing of U.S. regulators. For months, it had tried to gain SEC approval to trade digital assets, centered around a partnership with a stock exchange firm called IEX Group. They even suggested creating a different type of system that doesn't sell to the public, only dealing with more savvy investors. Gensler rejected the idea, insiders say, because he, he couldn't see how these exchanges could build an appropriate firewall between public and institutional investors. Plus, somewhat presaging FTX's ultimate downfall, Gensler also suggested that crypto exchanges should separate functions such as storing customers' coins and lending to clients. You'll see just how prescient that thought was. Up against this type of pushback, FTX also turned to a tried-and-true tactic in Washington. They started promoting a bill in the Senate 
called the Digital Commodities Consumer Protection Act. Basically, the DCCPA would have authorized the CFTC to regulate spot markets for the largest cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin and Ether, and increase the agency's headcount. So what's different between what's in the bill and what actually happens today? Well, the spot market for crypto is regulated state by state via something called a bank transmitter license. DCCPA calls for a federal spot market regulator, essentially the CFTC. But it doesn't delve into whether crypto is a security or a commodity. There's that briar patch opening that SBF was looking for. It also would have provided a new revenue stream, user fees from crypto exchanges, to reduce the agency's long-standing dependence on congressional appropriations. Consideration of the DCCPA fell to the Senate Ag Committee. Now, you might be asking what ag has to do with crypto. That's a fair question. But there's a simple answer. The Ag Committee has jurisdiction over commodities. Food, after all, is a commodity. And more to the point, jurisdiction over the CFTC. The bill would give the committee direct oversight of crypto through the CFTC. And you know what comes with oversight authority, right? Industries subjected to regulation and oversight are very fond of helping out members and staff of relevant committees. But more on that next episode. Every good piece of legislation deserves a public hearing, during which members get to express their opinions about the draft, ask questions, and hear directly from interested parties. More than one hearing was held on DCCPA and other pieces of crypto legislation during 2021, not only in Senate Ag Committee. One notable hearing took place in the House Financial Services Committee in December of that year, where the star witnesses were SBF and a gaggle of other fintech CEOs from companies such as Bitfury and Coinbase. To show how serious he was about this, SBF even ditched the cargo shorts for a suit and tie. We strive to conduct all of our business um, in a transparent and regulated manner. We have a transparent system um, where all of our data is, all of our public market data um, is openly available and free where risk parameters are transparent. And of course, SBF had to take advantage of being in the spotlight. He told the panel that he would love to see the CFTC play a more active role in regulating crypto. I think that it is coming, and I think it is important, and I think that it's healthy that the industry will be regulated. I think it is also already regulated in a number of ways. I think that there are points that need to be addressed um, to give oversight of various aspects of the industry that do not have sufficient oversight right now. Um, And I also think that it is important to do so in a reasonable and common sense way that understands the industry. And regulators had their turns at the witness table. Before Senate Ag, SEC Chair Gary Gensler, not surprisingly, staked out a very different view on the regulation of crypto. He, of course, criticized DCCPA, calling it too much of a light touch. Read Over My Dead Body. Join me next time on 80 Proof Politics Behind the Curtain 
as we take a deeper look at the FTX playbook and just how $200 million or more was spent by FTX, SBF, and others to make them one of the hottest commodities in D.C. Did you see what I did there? Once again, many thanks to Dakin Campbell and his colleagues Rob Price, Jack Newsom, and Darius Raffian for their unique ability to shine the sun on just exactly what's been going on. More on their contributions in the next episode. Peter. And this is Tom. We want to tell you guys a little bit about our podcast. Tom and I met in college, became best friends, and then teachers almost 20 years ago. Sometimes school just does not allow us to elaborate on the topics that we find interesting, like the real shark attacks that inspired the movie Jaws, or the real historical context to Indiana Jones artifacts. Where does cereal come from? Or are zombies real? Does Ben Franklin really deserve to be on a $100 bill? On our podcast, just like in our class, there are no stupid questions. Just two friends having a lighthearted conversation about history, pop culture, and the context of current events. Listen to History Teachers Talking Podcast from Evergreen Network, anywhere you get your podcasts.